Hello, and welcome to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm your sister host, Elizabeth Connor. And I'm your brother host, Thomas Dempsey. And welcome well, Elizabeth. back. So, Thomas. Yes. Yes. You yes. said my name first. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how uh, How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm really good because oh. I am now on a Christmas break. Oh, that is cool. And I'm really good too because I am now 33. Woohoo! Happy late birthday. Yeah. Yep. Uh what's uh what what birthday is 33? What can you do? I don't know. I guess it's not all that special after all. <laughs> Well, I, I uh, guess really the next big one that we have to look. Well, I guess that yeah, that we have to look forward to is uh is forty. Well, I in media circles, a lot of people make a big fuss over the thirty fifth anniversary. Yeah. Or the thirty fifth birthday. Right. Like uh, I think that in recent years it was it's been the thirty fifth birthday of uh, Super Mario, and the thirty fifth birthday of Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. And that's. I feel like that's more of a marketing thing. Yeah. Like uh, every five years or so, you've got a nice, like, juicy number to throw up on some advertising. Right. But, uh, so like, yeah, in a couple of years, I'll be able to rebrand myself. <laughs> and we'll see how that goes. Okay. Yeah. But uh, for the time being, I am content to just wrap up a podcast. This is our last podcast of the year. Yep. And uh, you'll be hearing again from us on New Year's Day, just as with last year. And on that episode, we'll be covering a lot of what we've been reading up to that point, a lot of the books we've been reading throughout the year, and of course, the final word totals for each of our reading. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, For the time being, Elizabeth, one last time for 2021 do you want to tell us what you haven't been reading uh yeah so uh like i mentioned i'm on christmas break now um right before christmas break we had you know like work christmas parties because i teach at two schools and so i had a christmas party for each school um one of the parties that I went to um, was very surprising, and I feel like that is all that I can say about that and still remain professional. Okay. So one party... I think, I think our listeners can into it. I think they can too. Um, hmm. and, and don't worry, it did occur off campus and after hours, so... Right. Yeah. Uh, to- totally professional. Yeah. And, um, and then the other work party... Uh, was just like, you know, like a normal school, uh, faculty and staff Christmas party, like potluck, you know, like a potluck, uh, heavy hors d'oeuvres, finger foods type meal. Um, and we got to, and then, and then a craft. So we, we made wreaths. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So, um, the wreath that I made is currently hanging on the door of our apartment. That's cool. Did you ever get your Christmas tree set up? Well, the Christmas tree is set up. Are there ornaments on it? No. And Brian, okay. and, but the ornaments are out. They just have yet to be put up on the tree. Um, that's 
That's cool. But Brian, Brian's been laughing at me for like two days because like uh, I put the tree up yesterday. I, I've been on Pinterest trying to figure out like cat repellent because we've got one cat, Muffy, who chews through yep. cords. Oh, right. I mean, I've gone through like, like we've got an essential oil diffuser in our living room. I promise you, I've gone through like seven chargers for that thing. Um, That's rough. She's chewed, so like she's chewed through that, like she's chewed through phone charger cords, she's chewed through, like we got a, Andrew a little charging station for the, his PlayStation controller, she chewed through the cord for that, and, and that's like a, I guess because like the actual charging station is so cheap that they come up, that it comes with its own like custom cord and adapter and so you can't just like buy a replacement you just it's just cheaper to buy like a whole thing um right so anyway like we've had to replace that we've had to replace phone cords we've had to replace essential oil diffuser cords two years ago she chewed through the lights on my christmas tree Oh, no. So, I have been... It didn't result in a family vacation no, style. No, definitely not. No. But, uh, yeah, one day I came home and plugged in the tree, and the lights wouldn't come on, and it was because she had chewed through the lights. So, and... So, that year, like, our Christmas tree was, like, just super janky looking, um, and it didn't have any lights, and I don't know, it just didn't feel very festive. Yeah. Uh and then we didn't we didn't decorate at all last year because we all had COVID. Oh, right. Um, I, and I totally forgot about that. I think we might have covered this in the previous episode, but I had no memory of not having done decorations last year, even though I very much remember like being sick and yeah. being laid up. Now I feel like y'all put up like a. Like took the like took y'all's Christmas tree and put up like half of it. Like you didn't put up the whole thing. Yeah, no, we did that the year before. Oh, that was the year before. Okay. Um, yeah, like last year was pretty much no decorations. Yeah, and and we didn't decorate at all. So this year I was like, I'm gonna decorate. Every like things are gonna be cute. Um. So anyway, I was like, it, it's me versus Muffy. Yes. And so I was like on Pinterest and. And just, like, Googling, like, cat repellent. Um, and so, anyway, I found, like, all these essential oil recipes. And I, like, bought the cute little glass spray bottles. And I made the stuff. And I was, like, spraying the area where the tree was going to go, like, days ahead of time before I set the tree up. And then I set the tree up. I sprayed the tree. I sprayed the cord that goes from the tree to the wall. Um, I did all that stuff. And the cats were still interested, like including Muffy. She was still interested. So then I was like, okay, hmm. um, I've seen this thing on TikTok where people are traumatizing their cats with yes. the Christmas tree. Um, and I saw one of them. It's like, so anyway, like I got the blender out. I put, I plugged in the blender like under the Christmas tree and sat next to it for like hours last night. And anytime a cat mm -hmm. came close to the tree, I like turned the blender on. Oh, yeah. Did it work? Yes and no. Um, so, anyway, I put the blender up because I was like, I don't want Muffy to chew through the cord on the blender. Uh, right. So, I put the blender up. And then 
I got hot sauce and I put some hot sauce on a paper towel and I like rubbed it on the cord that goes from the tree to the wall. Right. That way I was like, if she does put her mouth on this, at least it will like not taste good. Yes. Um, and then I wake up this morning and I catch her like licking one of the tree branches. <laughs> you think she's got a taste for hot sauce? I didn't put I didn't put hot sauce on the branches. I just put it on the cord, and I'm just like, "What are you doing?" So, you know, being at home this evening, um, every time like the tree moves because like Bernie's fascinated with it, right. and I'm just like, "Get away from my tree! <laughs> Leave my tree alone!" Yeah, uh, Feisty's been pretty good about the tree. Her and Flash will both climb up in it for spells, but they don't tend to disturb things all that much, and they've been pretty good about cords, so... Yeah, um, Mom's... um, Yeah. I was going to say, Mom sent me, like, that super cute picture of them in the tree. Oh, yes, that is so good. That was was precious. It's like Christmas card quality. Yeah. I'm glad you glad you got your break coming up. Yep, and uh, we went to Andrew's. We went to Andrew's Christmas program at his church tonight, and he was Gabriel the angel. Oh. And um, anyway, so he he stood on stage for you know like a total of ten minutes, and then like we didn't see him for the rest of the program. And then at the yeah. and then at the end, like everybody's supposed to, you know, come back out on stage, and like they're all standing around the baby Jesus. Well, right. Andrew didn't come out. Oh. And and we're kind of like I'm sitting here like looking for him. I'm like, well, where's Andrew? And I think Brian was also like, where's Andrew? And even Andrew's mom was like, where is Andrew? So after the program is done, um, uh, Andrew's mom goes backstage to find him. And, and apparently after he came out on stage as Gabriel the Angel, he, like, went and found a place on the floor and, like, fell asleep. Oh, wow. And when he came out from behind, from backstage, like, the poor child, like, he was crying. And he was saying, I don't feel good. I am sick. And, and he was. He was burning up. And uh, anyway, so we, so uh, his mom took him home and we came home and... Brian called to check on him, and he was running a fever of 101. Woof. Yeah. Do they think it's, uh, you know? We, I, I, I don't know, and it just, I mean, the thing is, is it came on so suddenly, but I mean, I know that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but he has a doctor's appointment tomorrow, so we'll find out. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, that's, that's rough. Yeah. I know, um... Yeah, I had some friends in town, or friends back in the States, visiting from uh, Japan, and they got held up for like an additional two weeks uh, with uh, their whole family having caught COVID, mm-hmm. and uh, they have got a clean bill of health a few days ago, and their flight out was today, so I was able to get by yesterday and spend some time with them. Good. Uh, had my first exposure to... Uh, uh, VR gaming. Oh. Actually, he got one of those. Uh, I I don't know what the uh, Oculus things with the little 
like controllers with the hoops on them Mm -hmm. and uh the goggles that fit over your head Mm -hmm. and uh the thing that impressed me most with it is how like non uh disruptive it was like as someone who plays video games i have a hard time with certain kinds of first person game Mm -hmm. wherein i'll get something called simulation sickness wherein you're like your brain is constantly having to reconfigure uh, your own perspective with the first-person perspective of the video game. Yeah. And so that, like, that's how like a lot of people who play video games might get like headaches or nauseous mm-hmm. while doing that. But with the Oculus Rift, I guess because your point of view is that is like entirely that of the first-person like camera it's not you don't really get that same sensation mm-hmm. so yeah i played a bit of beat saber which is like the game you see everybody playing on social media where they're just sort of uh dancing back and forth and waving the wands about mm-hmm. have you ever seen beat saber yes okay so i played a bit of that and uh tried out some uh, tech demos that they had downloaded that were pretty fun Got home, showed mom some video that uh, my friend had taken of me. Uh, it's interesting, like when you're using the VR thing, what you see is also um, displayed on the computer that your system is hooked up to. Mm-hmm. And so people can see what you see when you're playing the game. So he had it set up to where he could record the computer screen and myself at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think just watching that got mom and dad really interested in it. So we might have to look into getting them something like that for uh, Christmas in the years to come. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how expensive they are or if there's anything like the shortage with certain gaming consoles that's been going on. But they it seemed like something that really piqued their interest. Mm-hmm. You ever thought about getting into VR gaming or... Um, trying it out not really um i think just i don't know like to me to me i feel like the ship has sailed with video games mm. and okay. and I'm, I'm not saying that you know i might who knows i might hit 35 because i'm gonna you know i'm i'm gonna reach that i should hope you hit 35 i mean i should hope so too uh, but anyway, because th- I'm going to be hitting 35, so you never know. I might hit 35 and then, like, have some kind of renaissance and, like, get all super into video games. But, I, you know, like, just growing up and, I guess, watching you play video games and, like, just feeling like... I just always felt like I was not good at them. And then... Right. And then, like, no matter how much I practiced and no matter how much I played... Like, I just wasn't good at the video game or just at the video games in general. So, sure. like what I feel like people normally do, if you're not good at something, then you just, you just stop doing it. Okay. And I just never cared to try again. Alright. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of games... Uh, you think that's about time we got into talking about what we've been reading? Yeah, let's do that. All right, well, we'll get into that right after a quick break. 
Sounds good. And welcome back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. We got one last reading challenge to cover for this year, but before we do that, let's talk about what else we've been reading. Uh, I've got one other book to discuss outside of the books I read for my challenge, so I'll knock it out first, and then uh, we can talk more about what Elizabeth has been up to. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay, well, the one book I have is uh, one of the trio of novellas I checked out from the library a couple weeks back. That includes um, uh, the In the Watchful City and uh, Broken Fevers, which I've talked about on previous episodes. I checked this book about about the round same time. Mm-hmm. And I commented before that I was enjoying reading it, but that it just didn't quite grab me in the same way. And uh, it certainly deals with some pretty heavy subject matter. The book is titled Heaven by Meiko Maiko Kawakami. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's basically just a book on the psychological toll of bullying and uh, how, like, the way other people perceive you and treat you can, like, impact your self-image and your sense of identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about this little, it's about this middle school boy who uh, has a lazy eye and gets picked on a lot at school and uh, beat up. And his home life isn't much to speak of. His dad's pretty distant and at work a lot. And his stepmom is, I think, well-meaning, but kind of uh, at a loss for certain things. Mm-hmm. And um, as the book goes on, he strikes up something of a uh, relationship with another girl in his class who's also kind of an outcast and uh they commiserate over like the way people treat them and the reasons why people treat them the way they do and why they react to people treating them the way they they do the way that they do so it's honestly kind of a trip in the sense that it it features children talking about concepts and themselves in ways that you'd like to give credit to kids as being able to intuit, but a lot of the language they give to it seems pretty highbrow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just think it's more, a lot more heady than, uh, than like what you typically get out of a, like a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's a pretty short book and, uh, I, wouldn't recommend it without some pretty uh, hefty trigger warnings. There's a lot of abuse, obviously, with the uh, bullying subplots. There's some, uh, like, elements of, uh, like, self-harm and the specter of suicide surrounding a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and it just think you sort of need to be in a pretty solid place, like, mental health-wise to, like, before, like, subjecting yourself to that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, if you're down for it, uh, it's a pretty quick read. I, the, I know my own uh, delay in finishing it notwithstanding. Uh, it's only about like 175 pages. So, yeah, I'd give it a give it a check out. That's uh, Heaven by Mako Kawakami. Uh, that's uh, my non-challenge reading for this episode. Uh, why don't you let us... What, what's, up, what's been up with you? 
So I've read five books uh, in the last two weeks. And for the first time this year, I have a DNF. I don't know what that is. Did not finish. Okay, so you've got a book that you're declaring is dropped. Yeah. Okay. So I've got five. Just... So I've got five that I've completed, and then there's this one book that, like, I started it, and according to the Kindle app, I got like forty-eight percent of the way through it, or something. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't. I'm not putting myself through this. All right. I, well, like, I can't uh, even you... like try to withstand the next fifty-two percent of the book. Like, I, I'm not gonna do it. Okay, did you want to talk about it, or did you want to focus more on the stuff that you did read? Um, or that you did finish? I'll just very briefly touch on the stuff that I did finish, because I feel like this one book, like because it's just such an unusual occurrence for me, that I feel like it warrants more attention. Okay. Um, so the book that I did not finish, that is a, an official DNF, um, is called Sold by Clarissa Wilde. And it is about, um, it's a mafia romance and basically it opens up with this woman, her name's Harper and she works at a gym slash self-defense, uh, training center. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, her parents were murdered when she was like, I don't know, 10, 12, something like that. And the only thing that she remembers from that night, from the because it 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 was a house fire that that killed her parents, and she was in the house. Um, and the only reason why she survived is because somebody pulled her out. Uh, okay. so anyway, she's she's investigating um her parents' deaths, and she's she very strongly suspects that it was a murder, um, that it was not uh, uh you know natural causes or electrical or whatever. So she's hired a bunch of private investigators and, uh, and basically it always comes back around to, to the mob, to the Italian mob, excuse me, being involved. And so then the private investigators are like, we're not going anywhere near this. So Harper's like, okay, well now that I've got this much information, I'm going to take it into my own hands. And that is when we meet, uh, that is when we meet Marcello, who is the uh, the Don for the Italian Mafia. And uh, and anyway, the, the book is, I guess, about their their relationship. And um, I, I don't know. Should like, I ask? Go ahead. Should I ask why it's called Sold? Uh, so in her investigation, she goes, Harper goes undercover at a strip club. Yes. And uh, at the at the night that she is going undercover at the strip club, like there is some business dealings that are supposed to be happening between the uh, the Italian and the Irish mafia. But then you find out that the Irish mafia and the Russians are actually working together. And so the Italian. And so anyway, Harper overhears this. She tells Marcello about it because he tries to like seduce her in a VIP room or something. And. Uh, and, and so then she tells him what she overheard or like the gist of what she overheard. He gets out of there like with his crew, like they just bust up out of the, the strip club. They're like, no, nah, we don't want no part of this. 
And then the Russians come in and start killing people. Uh. And whoever they don't kill, if they are a pretty female, they get kidnapped. Okay. And and they are sold. Yeah, I, yeah, I had a an idea. I had an inkling that there was a trafficking subtext to the name, especially once you started getting into like the criminal plot. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So basically, uh, Harper gets gets caught up in like the trafficking part of it as a victim. Um, Marcelo is invited to the auction that Harper is being sold at, and he purchases her. And I just and then like the I don't know like their relationship was just weird. Yeah. And and things happened that I was not really okay with, and I just feel like like. And I, I don't recall any trigger warnings being uh, a part of, um, like, the description of the book. I don't even recall the, you know, I don't even recall, like, please go to this site for the trigger warnings. Because, uh, you know, some of the more responsible publishers or some of the more responsible authors will include those things. And I feel like this book right. very much needed one because that's why I had to stop was because... The, there were things that I ha- that happened that I was not okay with, and and I just I wasn't going to take it any farther. So. Yeah, well, I think that's totally fair. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you feel like uh, talking about some uh, more pleasant sounding reads? Yeah. Like? So let's talk about. Um, you know what? I have the perfect thing to transition into. So, do you remember in the last episode I talked about a shifter romance? Frosted. Yeah. It's been haunting my dreams. Go on. So I read it. Okay. And and I, I have to say, first of all, like this is book like number eight or something in a series. And so obviously okay. like there is a very established uh, lore to what mm-hmm. is happening in the book. The book is like 10 chapters long and things move very quickly. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, so... Oh my gosh, what are... The girl's name is Blaze. I can't... What is the guy's name? Hold on, let me look it up. Oh, his name's Rory. Okay. Oh, yeah, that is so totally a name. I just, I don't know. Because the Gilmore Girls, I think of Rory as a girl name. Sure. Um, But anyway, so it's about Rory, who is uh, originally a bear shifter... And in the book, he's like 600 years old or something, 700 years oh, old. Okay. Um, and he meets, and he is the the bakery king. Um, he has, after he was cursed and he's like, you know, lived as long as he has, now that he's in the modern age, he has purchased up all of the bakeries because part of, because he is cursed and his curse is every time he sneezes, he turns into a gingerbread man. For how long? Um, until like he can kind of like get himself centered and then he can just like make and then he can basically like will himself to transform back into a person. Uh. Um, but I guess like initially he's kind of discombobulated. So it takes him a while. It takes him a minute before he can just like change Uh, back. Also, apparently in the lore, um, shifters, like once, like when they're shifting, into their animal and back out again like most like they keep their clothes 
Rory doesn't. When he shifts into a gingerbread man, he loot like, and he shifts back to a person. He's completely naked. Like all of his clothes okay. and accessories go into the ether. I guess. All right. All right. So, and the reason why he has he has a monopoly of on the bakeries in this world is because he has to. For some reason, he has to consume gingerbread or he will get sick. Okay. So, if he doesn't eat, if he doesn't include gingerbread into his diet on a regular basis, he just, like, feels awful and, like, go, you know, just is, like, about to die. So, that's why he... And he needs a monopoly on bakeries to do that. Yeah, apparently. Um... So he has a monopoly on bakeries. He purchases this one bakery. It's owned by uh, his love interest, Blaze. And he shows up to the bakery to, like, inspect things and stuff. And he sees her. And that's when they realize, like, oh, we're each other's faded mates. Um, and anyway, they've, they've known each other for, you know, like, 30 minutes. And then they, like, get down and dirty in the kitchen. Um, yeah. And ah. apparently there is a council of shifters who, like, waited until... Because, like, the whole, like, mate-claiming process is kind of involved and, like, takes a while. So, apparently they waited for the mate-claiming yeah. process to start. And then they kidnapped them. The council kidnaps Rory and Blaze. Oh. Because they want yeah. Rory to shift into his gingerbread form and... Uh, plant like bugs, like listening devices, into somebody's house. So they, hmm. <laughs> so they make him, and and you know they're of course threatening him, like if you don't do this, then we're gonna kill your mate. Um, so okay. they make him shift into a gingerbread man, and then they give him like this teeny tiny duffel bag full of listening devices and they sneak him into this house in an or in like a delivery oh, order boy. of like a dozen gingerbread cookies. Oh, <laughs> and, that's so dumb. And, and there's like a trap door built into one of the bakery boxes so that he could sneak out and start planting stuff. And then of course there's a showdown between him and the family dog. And, and, and he okay. ends up riding the dog at one I point. Because you know how could you not? Right. Um, yeah, I, you get it. You got to pay off the like the pretext of him being right. a tiny little guy. So you got to get so, borrowers. And he, him. you know, and then he and then he leaves the house. He transforms back into a person. He's completely naked. He jumps the fence to try to get away from the house, and he lands in front of a cop. Okay. Who, of course, like, he, so, or he's originally, uh, so he's initially arrested, but then the shifter pays the cops off and he gets, you know, he gets to get out. Well, then, uh, he and Blaze are yeah. rescued from the, the council and they're able to complete the mating ritual and, like, anyway. And then because of that, he is now able to also shift into his bear form, which he had not been able to do for like 700 and something hey. years. But he can, but if he sneezes, Happy he still ending. transforms into a gingerbread man. Not a, not gingerbread, a gingerbread bear? bear. No. 
So if he's in his bear form and his bear sneezes, he goes from being a bear to a gingerbread man. Okay. And that was totally frosty. Oh, well. Did you just just give away the entire plot? Spoiler. Man. Spoilers. Okay. So, uh, so worth the read then? I mean, I guess. Like, it's a good, you know, uh, you can finish. I mean, you can (laughs) finish. What? You know, for as much as you hyped it up (laughs) and for as much detail as you went into, you're, I'll admit that you're. Okay, it just sort so, of seems underwhelming. Okay, is this book life-changing? Absolutely not. It's about a man who turns into a gingerbread man when he sneezes. Um, is it super, super fun yeah. to read? And is it super corny and campy and just ridiculous? Yes. So if you're just looking for something like super, super silly, I would 100% recommend it. All right. So that's yeah, one that's of one of five. five. And then just very quickly going through the other four... Um, I read Filthy by Serena Ackroyd, and it's an Italian mafia romance between um, the guy's name is Finn O'Brady. No, Finn O'Grady. He is like the money man in the Irish mafia, and he meets a woman who actually is also a baker. Sorry, I didn't realize that. I didn't mean to make that transition. Um, But... But it works. No, it works. So he meets this baker who uh, who is very much his type because he is into, like, his type is a very voluptuous woman um, and a very Irish woman. And this girl mm. is both of those things. Her name is Aoife, spelt E. Okay. No, sorry. Spelt A-O-I-F-E. But it's pronounced Aoife. Okay. Like, that's a very Irish thing. And, uh, and anyway, she's, you know. Oh, okay. Like, she's very voluptuous and stuff. And what I liked about this book is, like, yes, it's a romance. In the be- and at the beginning, it does, like, things happen very, very quickly. But then in the middle and towards the end, like, when things are typically happening very quickly, there's a very important plot point that occurs to make them focus yeah. on different aspects of their relationship. And I just feel like that's really unusual for romance, oh. but I also feel like it's really, really good for romance. Um, so anyway, that okay. one was super good. I really yeah. liked that. Would would be willing to continue the series. I also read Fake It Real Good by Weston Parker. Um, Another baking book? No. No. No? Wait, what Fake did you say the title was? Real Good. Fake? I thought no, you said Fake, fake it, it Real good. good. So this one's about um, like a fake... Okay. Fake fiance, fake girlfriend type deal. The guy is very, very wealthy, has the personality of like a, of like a gnat. Um, and he's got to find a, a date for his brother's upcoming wedding, which is happening very, very quickly. And so anyway, he calls upon yeah. the help of an escort service. And, uh, and anyway, the, okay. the girl who is part of the escort service... She's part of the, like, she's working for the escort service because her mom has cancer and they, and she, she needs money to afford the treatments. Um, so anyway, like that's how the two of them get together. And like the book is very, very clear about what an escort is supposed to do and what an escort is not supposed to do. And that basically if, if the escort chooses to act outside of that role, then it is then no, like there will be no money exchanged for those additional acts. 
if okay so i just okay. anyway i felt like i had to put that out there uh but anyway like that's kind of what the book's about right. like is it the best writing no it was pretty good uh or i mean it was fine um the next book i read this one was almost a did not finish this was called broken mm. beast by crystal caswell and here's the reason, I mean, like, it was fine. It was about a guy who's traumatized because his brother got killed in a car accident, which turns out it was actually a hit. Um, and. Yes. So, so the, the, so the main character, the guy, um, he finds out who tried, who had his brother killed. And so he's trying to make that guy jealous. Well, the, the guy who ordered the hit. Um, is obsessed with this particular photographer who's also a very beautiful woman. Um, and so the the brother goes after the woman and, and strikes a deal with her. Like It's also one of these fake fiancé, fake girlfriend type storylines. Um, but the reason why I, did, I almost did not finish this one was because... Thomas, have you ever seen an episode of Sex in the City? No. Well, I mean, I've seen clips, okay. but never an episode. Okay. Watching Sex in the City is very, very different than reading Sex in the City. Does that okay. make sense? I get you. Like, yeah. it, like this book feels like it's written in the style of that show, and, and that is a very different thing than watching the show. Okay. It's very pretend, like the the writing to me just feels very pretentious and pedantic, and it, it is it is fairly lyrical and like there is a sense of poetry about it, but um, that's not what I want in my romance. Okay, that's not I don't I don't want that. Right. Uh, and then the so anyway that was that one, and then the last book I read, um, I'm not going to talk about it because I'm embarrassed to. Okay, that's cool. So that's how I'm going to leave it. That was uh, a remembrance of things past, and that brings your word total up to uh, 12 million. No. No. You know what remembrance of a things past is? It's this 1,800-page no. uh, novel. Uh, no, yeah, 1,800-page novel by Marcel Proust. It's like collected oh, wait, across yes. three volumes. Yeah. I think yes. you might even have like a copy of it's typically published in like seven volumes, and I think uh, the first one you actually own bought the first one when you were worked at Second and Charles. Yeah, I did. I do remember that now. Oh, speaking of Second and Charles, uh, before we go to our break uh, and then come back to talk about the uh, challenge that I did, uh, while I was out this weekend, I drove down to Anderson. And guess what they got uh -huh. in Anderson? A second in Charles? An honest-to-goodness books a million. Oh my gosh. Yeah, with a Joe Muggs and everything. It was like... Joe it was like, Muggs. It was like stepping into a time machine and going back like 10 years. It was a trip. Wow. And I mean, I, I guess yeah. I, I'm sort of hyping it up. It basically just was sort of... Like, about what you'd expect from, like, one of those Barnes & Noble-style bookstores. Or a Second yeah. Charles-style bookstore. But, uh, yeah, it just, it was all these little details. Like, the the bargain price stickers that they'd use and the display mm -hmm. signage and what all. 
And yeah, it was just something else. Man, I don't. I haven't been in a books a million probably since I quit working for them. Yeah, I don't even know how many there are still. I mean, most of them got uh, rebranded, I guess. But I guess this one managed to stick it out, kind of like the uh, that um, blockbuster in Alaska or wherever. Yeah. It's like the last uh, one in existence. That's crazy. Yeah, I wonder if there's a still a Borders or a Walden Books somewhere you know what there might be yeah that'd be be. that'd be cool to check out so you know what is crazy i think that my ex-boyfriend actually helped open the anderson books a million huh like before we met but like i remember him talking about like living in anderson and working at the books a million up there okay well i uh yeah I'm glad it's still around. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, we'll take a break, and in a minute we'll come back, and I will talk about my final reading challenge for 2021. All right, sounds good. And welcome back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. Um, So, before we left for the break... Um, I had just finished talking about the books that I read in the interim between last episode and this episode, uh, and Thomas was sharing was taking was taking us on a trip down memory lane uh, with with his discovery of a books a million back kind of close to home. Yep. And, and now uh, we're now... getting ready to talk about Thomas's challenge. Yes, my challenge for those who recall was to read two books that have been on my to-be-read list for at least a year, or at least a like before this year uh, that we started doing this challenge. Is that my is that the correct interpretation of the challenge? I think it was actually uh, just it had to just be like before the month of December that they were purchased. The the month of December this year, like this yeah. December. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. That's. That's way more generous than I interpret my interpretation. <laughs> but, uh, well, one book, um, one of the books I read, because I did complete the challenge, and uh, one of the books I read, I believe I purchased uh, last December, thereabouts, maybe earlier, I don't know, and uh, long-time listeners will actually be familiar with it, because it factored into our very first episode, it is... 97,196 words by Emmanuel Carrier. Hey, look at that. Yeah, I knew I wanted to get around to reading it before the end of the year, uh, end of this competition. So uh, I finally checked it out, and it was a pretty brisk read. Uh, for those who don't know, and certainly I wouldn't expect a lot of like English-speaking people to know, um, Emmanuel Carrier is a uh, French journalist, uh, novelist and filmmaker and uh, 97196 words is a collection of journalistic pieces he's written over the years dating back to like the 90s and they're arranged largely chronologically and they have some uh, overarching like thematic links uh, the book begins with uh, a series of true crime articles that he wrote about these various like salacious and uh, 
sort of distinctive like crimes of like domestic murder mm-hmm. and uh there's some trigger warnings for that one those as in particular uh where um like child harm and murder is concerned but mm-hmm. uh like those are but those in particular were especially captivating to read like i don't partake much of true crime but reading these articles and especially Emmanuel's sort of uh, writing style really made me appreciate how like that kind of thing can be so like compelling to get into. Mm-hmm. But in any rate, uh, from there he uh, moves on to like personal essays about his like love life and uh, his career as a writer and his search for like inspiration and stuff. And he's written. Mm-hmm about some pretty significant figures uh most notably a uh see i'm not sure what the guy's nationality is uh a guy named uh limonov i guess the name suggests he's uh russian but um he's basically like a sort of a far-right um political figure in russia yeah and uh he has been like chronicling this individual like through journalism and through nonfiction books uh for a couple of decades at this point and mm-hmm. so he's really interested in like stuff like that like dynamics of power and their expression in society he has one uh like article he wrote from uh the davos conference where all the like super rich business people meet up every year and, uh, yeah, there's, uh, several other, uh, sort of noteworthy subjects. He writes a little bit about various authors that he finds interesting, but generally the, uh, themes that he hones in on in those works always comes back to, like, those primary interests of, like, power and identity, the relationship between the social and the personal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were... There was a lot of good stuff in there. It's a pretty diverse batch of essays, like even for like all the thematic links that get strung throughout. And uh, I can't say for certain that like his style of writing will be to everybody's taste. I really enjoyed a lot of the essays in this book and was f- happy to finally get around to reading it. And another book I was finally happy to get around to reading was a true like tbr mainstay for the last several years in fact if i can just look at the uh publication date here real quick i believe i have owned this book since it was originally released in 2016 because it still wow. has the adhesive stain on the cover where i peeled the uh 20% off sticker where mm-hmm. i bought where i bought it at barnes and noble you can tell that that's a long time ago because Barnes and Noble was still doing like pretty significant discounts on their books and I bet I even paid for it with a coupon. So that's me dunking <laughs> on the decline in Barnes and Noble's sales policies in recent years. But uh in any way, the book I read was the the final book I read for this challenge was A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Towles. I believe that, uh-huh. I, I can't say that's how it's pronounced, but it's T-O-W-L-E-S. 
Uh -huh. So that's as as close as I think I'm going to get without hearing it said aloud. And uh, I would the 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 quick pitch on this book is it's basically like if Dostoevsky wrote a Hallmark movie. It's uh, takes place in like the like the cusp of the 1920s. So it's like in the immediate wake of like the uh, the 19 the early, the uh, revol the revolution th that took place in Russia like in the late 19 teens mm -hmm. so uh, sort of like when the people that you generally know from that time period like uh, Lenin and Stalin coming into power and mm -hmm. uh, so the main character is an aristocrat named uh, Count Rostov and uh he has been found, like, by a uh, sort of like this sort of board, I guess, this go governmental board, as being a uh, subversive figure who, all the same, has contributed significantly to, uh, like, Russian culture. And so, as a means of, like, uh, pardon, as opposed to, like, being, like, sent off to prison or put to death... <laughs> he is uh, put on house arrest in the largest hotel in the city of Moscow, the Metropole, where he is currently okay. living at the time. So the book begins with his sentencing, and uh, we then proceed to spend basically the next 40 years of this guy's life of him just wandering around the hotel, meeting new people, and making a new life for himself hmm. and uh okay as, yeah as that early um comparison as that early like point of comparison i made uh, is any indication it's a fairly um like romantic narrative uh it's mm -hmm. not especially salacious or grim despite a lot of its subject matter i mean you get uh overtones of like historical tragedy and like personal loss but it mm -hmm. doesn't bog it down in sort of like a existential way that would make it like an especially challenging read because that's mm -hmm. definitely the one of the biggest things in this book's favor and i really enjoyed it but i can't say that it's like one of the biggest things in its favor is just how readable it is it's like yeah. uh about uh, 450 pages and Forever, for however long I uh, it actually took me to finish it, I feel like all of my reading sessions were super, like protracted. Like you could just like keep going from one chapter to the next, and as yeah. well as like events flow from one to one chapter to the other, uh, and one storyline to the other, because mm -hmm. there's sort of an episodic structure to it as it like jumps over years and uh like takes you back in time to provide sort of uh contextual details to what's going on mm -hmm. the the real like sort of trick of the book is like how like strongly it ropes you into the immediacy of like any given moment like making you invested in what is happening right then and there and then like taking that uh investment and then spooling off some like ancillary details or some like some 
artistic flourishes and then right when it might be on the verge of losing you uh just like roping you back in with like some new development or uh storyline or what have you so it's very compelling it's a pretty much the definition of a page turner Mm -hmm. at least for as much as a book that doesn't have a straight up and down like like goal oriented plot is concerned yeah because like because more or less you're just reading about this guy's life as it's happening and uh mm -hmm. yeah so i really enjoyed it it's a pretty strong recommendation any way you cut it a gentleman in moscow um and i was happy to have finally gotten around to it and i can't say for certain that i would have if i hadn't had this challenge so i thank you all right you're welcome all right and that brings us to the end of our reading discussion for this episode and by extension for this calendar year uh before we wrap up do you want to do one last update before the final word totals of what how many words we've got yeah let's do it okay well i read three books uh 97,196 words by Emmanuel Carrier, uh, A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls, and uh, Heaven by Mako Kawakami. And together, these books bring my word total up to 4,373,659.2. All right. Um,. So, in the interim, I have read five books with, for a total of, for a total of 324,144 words, uh, which brings my total up to 9,814,588 words. Okay. And as of this recording, we've got just under uh, 12 days left in the year. So, uh, whatever reading goals, personal and otherwise, that we've set for ourselves, the, that's how much time we've got left to get on that. So, we'll see to it. But uh, in yep. the meanwhile, and moving forward, you want to let people know where they can find us. Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and literally Club um, at Your Words Podcast. Um, you can also find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And if you have any suggestions or questions, um, you can email us at yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. All right. And Elizabeth, I want to thank you for a great, well, a great 2021 of podcasting at least. Yeah. I don't think we need to commit too strongly to any other metric uh as far as podcasting is concerned it's been a pretty great year that it has been yes that it has been although i cannot say the same for podcast endings although personally i take pride in the fact that we've never really settled on a good outro for this show yeah yeah well said Wilson. See you in 2022. All right. See you in 2022. Bye.
Hoppa. 